Aren't you glad for a place that God shows up? Proverbs chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and chapter 4, likely. How many has been reading a proverb a day? Anybody? Well, Mag Church, I'm not doing a very good job leading. <laughs> so I'm going to remind you again. You want to know how to study this word? I would start with a proverb a day. How long? Well, the rest of your life. Rest of your life. Why? Because it was written by the wisest man who ever lived. If the world received a book and said that the media come out and said this book was written by the wisest man that ever lived, it would sell a half a billion copies by the end of the week. Proverb a day. There's 31 of them. Read a proverb. Read a psalm. That's not your Bible study. That's reading. Get it into your spirit. That renews your mind. I don't have time to preach all that, but I can have time for you to make note of it. Proverb a day. You down, need some encouragement? Get in the Psalms. Learn who Jesus is in the Gospels. Learn how to act. Not to be an actor, a thespian. Learn how to behave <laughs> and how to walk with God, how to live by faith in the epistles. Like how you're shouting. When people won't get in the word, I can only assume they don't want to change. And I don't assume much because you know what assuming gets you. Ooh. Hello? said it in Sunday school, I'm going to say it again this morning. If you're not in the Word of God, you cannot, you cannot live for God. It's not possible. Oh, you may have faith for salvation, you may take heaven, but I'm talking about here. Ooh, it got quiet in a hurry. We went from shout to whoop. It's before I get preaching. This is just stuff you need to know. If you're not in the Word of God, you cannot live for God. Because your mind has to be renewed and your mind is only renewed by the word of God. Otherwise you are a carnal thinking Christian. Fleshy. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that the carnal mind is an enmity with God. It says you can't even, you say you think you're spiritual. I hear people all the time. I, heard, I had somebody tell me this week I had a guru nut. <laughs> tell me that I'm spiritual. I thought what's that even mean? I'm spiritual too. I said I'm holy spiritual. what I said. So I'm Holy spiritual. So I, I don't mean that I'm claiming to be holier than you. I'm saying that the spirit of truth the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he guides you into all truth. And you can't, you can't walk by faith without knowing the word. You are, you are walking around in your carnal condition and it's a miserable position. The word of God will change your mind and it will renew your mind. Has anybody figured out that I believe in the Word? That the Word is preeminent. Hello. The word, the word is preeminent in my day, in my thought, in my thinking. 
And it has to be yours if you're going to walk in victory. Has to be. It's no, there's no other option. Well, I feel like I have no choice before we even turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's turn to Romans 8. Lest you think I'm preaching out of my skull. I don't mean out of my mind. I mean out of my human condition, my flesh. Romans let's just read verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death For the law could not do in it, could, for what the law could not do in it, it was weak through the flesh. The rules, regulations of the law couldn't, was righteous, but it, couldn't, but it couldn't make you live right because it was weak through the flesh. Hello? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that righteous that the righteous judgment of the law might be fulfilled to, in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit on the things of God, on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace continue reading verse 7 but the because look, did you catch that he said to be to be carnally minded is death to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind that's the fleshy mind that's according to the sin nature according to the way you were born according to just how you are the devil didn't do it it's you the carnal mind is an enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be so then did you see the change you had the because and now the so so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God read it again so then those who are in the flesh 
cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life, but the Spirit is life, but the Spirit is life of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised Christ from the dead dwells also in you, it shall quicken, it shall make alive, it shall give life to your mortal body through the Spirit who dwells in you. Let me help you with that. Jesus came to have you have everlasting life, remember? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed on Him shall have everlasting life. And you think, oh, I get to go to heaven, everlasting life. That is absolutely true, but I need you to look and see it. But if, the spirit, but if, if is a conditional preposition. Yes? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he, it doesn't he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. That's not the sweet by and by. That's the nasty now and now. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put, in, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I need to read that again. If you, but if you, who? You live according to the flesh. Devil didn't make you do it. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put, on, you put to death, who put to death? But if by the Spirit, that's the only way you can. You're not hearing me yet. This is good Sunday morning. This is where it's going to stay. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. The Spirit of God, when you got saved, you received the Spirit of adoption. That's later in chapter 8. Whereby you cry, Abba, Father, you have a new daddy. You have a new father. Yes, just like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. When you're lost, you're dead. When you get saved, you live and you reckon yourself dead to sin. 
John chapter 3, when, Jesus, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, I've been on it for, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to John chapter 3 on Wednesday nights. Teach it again, I guess. Nicodemus came and he said, Jesus, he said, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. Must be. Nicodemus says, what then? Shall I enter again into my mother's womb? You know what that was? That was a carnal mind at work. Because see, the carnal mind didn't understand, nor can it. He says, oh, you must be born of the, of the water and the spirit. By the way, that's not the water in the tank. That's bad doctrine. Jesus said a big statement that ties right here. Are y'all with me on Sunday morning? He said, whatsoever is flesh, whatsoever is a flesh is flesh. Whatsoever is a spirit is spirit. They never switch positions. They never change places. What was born in the flesh can never become spirit. And what's of the spirit can never become fleshy. Can never happen. Romans 8 is telling you that you, if you're going to live a victorious life, that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It comes by not walking in the things of the flesh, but walking in the things of the spirit. And he tells you how. God does everything legally. Do you know that? God does everything. God's a legalist. I don't know if y'all know that. Y'all get, let me get you some churchy terms going. God's not into legalism, but God is a legalist. He does everything legally, period, according to his word. He's bound himself to his word. He never does anything outside of his word. He will do it exactly the way he's always done it. He always will. And he says, and he operates according to spiritual law. Do you know that? God operates according to spiritual law. Not the law of Moses, but the law of Moses was righteous. Just didn't have any power. But God does everything legally. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Let me help you. Spiritual law. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Spiritual law. What's that mean? He can, let me give you an example. So you understand that whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. If I plant strawberries, I'm getting strawberries. I'm not planting strawberries and I'm getting peaches. Why? Natural law. It's not going to happen. Spiritual law, whatever I plant spiritually is what I'm going to reap spiritually. If, I, if, I'm, reaping, if I'm sowing flesh, I'm going to reap. If I, he even said, if I sow to the flesh, of the flesh, I'll reap corruption. If I, if I sow to the Spirit, I'll have the Spirit reap life. Church of the living God. What I come to Mag Church for, what I, I, I didn't come to be, we got to get past shallow. You got to get past your, uh, let, me, let me say it a different way because somebody's going to pull that clip and say it's, I did it wrong. You're never going to get past or over your salvation. But it's the entrance into the kingdom of God. It's not the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. He intends for you to mature in Him. And get away from your carnal nature. He intends for it to he intends for it to change every aspect of your life. He don't intend for you to live in defeat the rest of your life and be saved. He intends for you to live in victory on this side. Victory over what? The world, the flesh, and the devil. That's what he intends for you to have victory over. It's what Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians is a humdinger. Yeah. I, 
I always wonder if I needed an interpreter. Everybody understand Humdinger in South Texas? Yeah. Paul didn't pull anything out. Well, he pulled everything out. He just didn't slow any punches. He said, I come and I gave you this thing. I unloaded this thing, and you ought to be mature about now, but I'm going to have to come and redo it all because you're still a bunch of babies. And, it wasn't, and, he, and he wasn't making it smooth. It was, it was absolute flat-out rebuke is what it was. And he wrote the letter because in chapter 1, it tells you exactly why he wrote the letter. He says, I've heard it that there are many contentions among you. He said, and the reason I'm writing this letter is because I'm going to deal with the, contention, the contentions. I told you last week that, the God, that where do we get the idea in the church world that we wasn't supposed to deal with real issues in real time? How long are you supposed to let the cancer crow before you cut it out? How many? Somebody tell me. How long are you supposed to do that? He wrote to the Corinthian church, and I mean, he yanked the hide off, filled it full of salt, and yanked it back up. Later, he wrote him a second letter just to help him a little. And you know what else he said? I, saw, I read something yesterday, the first time I've ever read it. It's not the first time I ever read it because it was already underlined, but it's the first time I ever read it, Scott. I'm just trying to help somebody. 1204. I'm going to read it to you, and then, then we're going to press on real quick. Paul said to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, verse 18 says, Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. But I will come shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but power. He says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now listen to this. What, Brandon, this blows my mind. This is what the apostle that planted the church said to him. He says, what do you want? He gave him a choice, Matt. Because the first three chapters, he has been laying them bare, filleting them. He even said, it is to your shame. Yeah, right. But in this particular passage, he said, I'm saying this not to your shame. He says, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or with a love and a spirit of gentleness. Do you know what he's literally saying to the church at Corinth? It is up to you. It's up to you. Some of you, he is saying, can I just translate to JRV? Some of y'all think that I'm talking big from a distance, but I'm on my way. I planted that church. I have the, I am, I have the, the revelation of the new covenant. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. There's things going on among you that's not even named among the Gentiles. It's going to stop. He said, all this arrogance, all this pride and all this gossip, all this garbage is going to stop. He said, when I get there, you can receive me with love and we're going to have a good time in the spirit of love or I can take the rod to you. It's up to you. 
Wasn't up to the apostle. Wasn't up to the pastor. It was up to the people. How are they going to receive him? You know what? They didn't receive him well. When they, when they, when, when they, when he come in, they got mad at him about it. And then all of them come in and started attacking the, the preacher and trying to discredit him. So he had to write Second Corinthians. He had to write Second Corinthians, and he didn't back up and he didn't back off. Proverbs chapter eight. I read something this week that I need that we need to look at real quick. I told you read those proverbs every day. Proverbs chapter eight deals with wisdom. The whole chapter is about wisdom. It's all about wisdom. It's all about wisdom. Everything about when the pronouns you see in chapter eight, most of the pronouns as wisdom, referring to wisdom. I mean, you know that one of the problems in the church and in the world today is we lost the fear of God. So most of you can quote Proverbs chapter 9 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Romans, but Proverbs chapter 8, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Before there was an earth formed in chapter 8 of Proverbs, it says that wisdom was with God. It says, it says I was there. Before, before he created the earth, before he hung the stars, before I was with him. That's the Spirit of God. <laughs> Boy, don't get me started. I, I, I'm afraid I'd lose half the audience if I said that he was with, the Spirit of God was with God. <laughs> Wisdom. He said, I was with him. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the end, the beginning. I need to talk to the church about something this morning because I've told you for weeks and months and years about mixture that God wants no part of it. God wants no part of it. Carnality is a mixture. A terrible mixture. Addressed in the book of Revelation to the churches, said I'd rather that you were hot or that you were cold. He said, because if you're, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. That's a, that's a mixture of carnality and salvation. It's a man, I've got enough of God to get me to heaven, but not enough of God to live for him. Hello? Can I tell you a few more things about mixture in Leviticus 19? Everybody likes Leviticus 19 because they think it's about tattoos. But it's not. Now, I don't care if you got one or you don't got one. That make me a bit hill of beans difference. But it's not about tattoos. It's just not. And if you're, by the way, as long as we're talking about that, it's just parenthetical. If you're going to take a part of Leviticus 19, you're going to need to take all of Leviticus 19. Because if you're going to keep the law, you've got to keep it in all points. And you failed in one point, you failed in all of it. So get over yourself. That's right. So go ahead and get over yourself. But it goes ahead and talks about, you have, part of Leviticus 19 is, if anybody in here got on a mixture of a fabric? Leviticus 19 says God hates that. Anybody ever planted a mixture of filled flowers in your yard? Just, you bought a pack and just scattered it. You know what? God hates that. Under the law, he hates that. But it wasn't about the seed and it wasn't about the, the fabric. Do you understand? Let me help you. Everything in the law was about Jesus. It was a type and it was a shadow of the one to come. All of it. Every bit of it. And see, you don't, it's Jesus only. You, you, don't, you get to mix it. You don't, get to mix God, you don't get to mix Jesus with anything. You don't get Jesus for salvation, but Dr. Phil for peace. Oh, somebody just run around the building or something. Somebody get a shouting spell and hit it. Run around. Go ahead. How do I know it was about him? 
Mixing seed. How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? I read the parable of the sower. That's the fulfillment. That's the fulfillment. The Old Testament is the type and shadow, the law. The New Testament is the fulfillment. The, the Old Testament is the cross concealed. The New, the New Testament is the cross revealed. And if Jesus himself said there was once a sower. Hello? And he said, and he had seed. And he went to plant, scatter his seed. And it said, listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, and the seed was the word of God. Do you want to know why Leviticus 19 says he doesn't mix the seed? Because nothing mixes with the word. It's either the word or it's not. Somebody hear me. It's either the word or it's not. It's either him or it's something else. And you know what he says? He hates it. He hates it. You can't. He told the Galatian church, what, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit that you're going to walk this life out in the flesh? Foolish Galatians. Foolish Christians. Proverbs chapter 8 on wisdom. It comes from the spirit of God that was in the beginning with God. When I laid the foundations, when he laid the foundations, it says, I was there. Wisdom. Hello? I'm fixing to nail it hard, and then we're going to pray. You ready? I dwell, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And find out knowledge and discretion. This is at chapter, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. I, wisdom, I started at the beginning, but I don't want to spend the time. I, wisdom, dwell in prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear, somebody hear me, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Read it again. Read it with your own eyes, with your own voice. In fact, read it out loud with me, all at once, in unison. For the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Say it again. For the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and ever evil wail and the perverse mouth I hate. That's the wisdom. That's the Spirit of God, by the way. Counsel is mine. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. We could keep reading, not necessary. I'm going to tell you where we, before you get to chapter 9, and the fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of wisdom, or is the beginning of wisdom. He tells you in chapter 8 that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Jeff, I want to tell you where the church lost out. I'm going to tell you where we lost our power. I'm going to tell you where we, it, it's when we, it, when we lost the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord came when we stopped hating evil. The fear, we lost the fear of the Lord in the church when we stopped hating evil. We lost the fear of the Lord in the church when we stopped hating evil. We lost the fear of the Lord in the church when we stopped hating evil. 
We lost the fear of the Lord in the church when we stopped hating evil. I told you for weeks that we should love the things God loves and we should hate the things God hates. It doesn't say we accept the things God loves and we tolerate the things God hates. That's why the church is full. It's a mixture. It's a mixture. Hear me, church. It is not enough to love the things that God loves. Put it on a bumper sticker. Quote me in exact context. It is not enough to love the things that God loves. That's why the prophets of Baal, that's where Israel was when Elijah met them on Carmel. They were still sacrificing to Jehovah. They were still doing the sacrificial system. They were still doing all of it. But he got up there and he said, I'll even give you a fair shake. Build your altar. Take all the time you need. He said, but let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. Let him be God. And you know what? It wasn't enough that God answered by fire and demonstrated to all of Israel. Even the wicked king said, let him, let, let, let him be God. They turned. It wasn't enough that they saw a demonstration on Mount Carmel that the prophets of Baal were wrong and that God answered by fire and made him God. It wasn't enough. You know what happened next? They destroyed. He killed. He slaughtered all of the prophets of Baal. All of them. You know why? Because it is not enough to acknowledge God and His power and His strength and who He is. You have to, you have to turn your back on. You have, to, you have to get rid of. You have to forsake. You have to throw it out. You have to rip it out. You have to be done with it. You're not hearing me. Church, you're not hearing me. And you're not hearing me. It's not enough to love the things of God. You have to love the things He loves. You have to hate the things He hates. You have to forsake everything. It's from the past and the flesh. Everything that's the work of the flesh and the work of the enemy. You have to forsake it. It's not enough to add God to your life. He has never, never, ever been willing to share. You don't understand. From the very first command, you want to go to the law? Let's go to the very first one. Very first one of the Big Ten. I am the Lord your God. How do we write it? And you shall have no other God before me. First commandment. I'm God. There is no other. The rest of them have to go. You're not, you're still not hearing me. Church, I come to talk. I'm coming to the church today. And I got, it's going to be continued. But I don't want to continue on Sunday night, but I'm going to have to. Because there's some things that need to be heard. Is Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, it's to your shame. There's contentions among us. And I'm going to tell you, in this church, I'll go ahead and say, in this church there's contentions among us, and it is to our shame. It's to our shame. Say, I'm not aware of any contentions. Good, the cancer hasn't got to you. The rest of us, Crucify that fleshy garbage. You're not hearing me. Amen or oh me. Crucify it. Crucify it. I can tell you right now, as the pastor of the house, it will be dealt with if it doesn't stop. 
and without apology. Say, what are you talking about? If you know, you know. It's going to stop. Period. Because we are called, this church, it's called, into, I, can't even not, I can't even not pass it, turn to, Rome, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Y'all taking medicine, the roast will be done in about 20 minutes, I'll try to have you out of here before that. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, these are the things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination. What's an abomination means? It means that it is absolutely detestable to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are, sw that are swift to mischief. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. God hates it. Discord among the brethren happens when people don't go talk to other people about what they got a problem with that person about. Hear me. Discord among the brethren. God hates it. And what is discord among the brethren? It is literally when you're dividing church people against church people. The saved among the saved. And that happens when people have problems, issues, and questions that they talk to everybody else in the church, everybody else in the town about, but they don't go to the people who have some knowledge and can fix it. You say, Pastor, you're hitting me between the eyes. I intend to hit you between the eyes. I intend to, to preach the, the Word in real time, in a real place, because all Scripture is inspired, it's profitable for doctrine. It says that you should reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And I want the one thing. We are called the world ministry is opening the mag church and you don't even know it. And, it'll be, and it will not be thwarted by people not getting along. It's going to stop. I'll say like Paul, it's up to you how I come to you. I can come to you with love and gentleness because that's my preferred method. But if I have to come with the rod, that's what I'm coming with. Because I will not allow any one person or any group of people to destroy my church. You say, I've never had a pastor say it. You probably haven't, but you never met Jr. You never met him. If I'm willing to take on the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, I'm probably willing to take you on. And not because I like to fight, I don't. I don't like drama. But I'm not causing the drama. If people are coming to you about things about the pastor, the staff, or their spouses, it is gossip. And it's divisive. And I'm going to ask you, do you want me going to everybody in the church about you instead of coming to you? I'm going to ask you. Because I'm going to tell you the greatest promise and the greatest commandment. You want to talk about commandments? I'll tell you the greatest commandments in the Bible. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your being. And to love your neighbor as yourself and the first and the second is likened to the first. It's carnal. It's fleshy. It's divisive. And God hates it. Love God. Love each other. Love the things God loves. 
Hate the things God hates. And then God can show his glory in your life. Let me tell you, he's never going to do. I, I want you to understand something. I deal with me. My wife and my children will tell you I deal with them. And strongly. I love this church. I love its people. I, but I, I love the calling of God and the word of God more than all of you. Amen. Yes. yes, I do. I love, the, I, love the, I love the word of God and the calling of God more than I love that woman. And I'm going to tell you, she prayed for a man that loved. She's got a list still. Before, we ever, before I ever walked on the scene, she prayed for a man that loved God more than I would love her. And I love God and the things of God more than I love anybody altogether. Hear me. Y'all are not hearing me. The board can tell you, I think. The staff can tell you, I promise. My wife and family can tell you, I promise, that everything I ever say or do or act on in this church is based on one. There's one deciding factor. Well, the first one is, is it true? What does the word say? But the deciding factor in every question is, what is best for Mag Church? Period. Because what's best for Mag Church is best for everybody. It's best for God. It's best for me. It's best for the kingdom. It's best for our, for our ministry. It's best for what we do. It's best to reach the Golden Triangle. It's best to reach the region, the state of Texas, and all of the world. And let me tell you again, all of the world is open to Mag Church right now. Say, and I'll tell you, I do not say this to your shame. That's what Paul said at this closing moment. I do not say this to your shame. I say it because it just needs to be corrected. When we renew our mind by the Word of God, the tensions and contentions will leave. When we start walking by faith and not by flesh, he will demonstrate his glory. Some people are immature Christians and just need instruction. Some people have been around for a long time and like Paul, you need to jerk the, you need to jerk the, the bottle out from between the spread of your mustache and grow up. Bottles belong to babies. And we're here to bring meat to men. In church, God's going to move. Revival is here. Revival is here. Revival is here. Preacher, do you always get it right? No, I do not. I don't even agree with me all the time, do you? Let me tell you. The pastor has the apostolic vision for the church, nobody else. That's not an arrogant, prideful statement. It's a biblical statement. Let me tell you something else. Pastor has the apostolic vision for the church. They, they have to walk and preach and live according to this word. It's the only way the church will be healthy as far as you preach the whole counsel of God. When you can be tender, you be tender. When you need to be strong, you're strong. When you're wrong, you apologize. And there's people in this room I, was, I have apologized to over the, the course of the last few months. But let me tell you, there's people in this room that owe me and my wife and this board and this church an apology because you have caused division. But that's not important to me. Repent. Repent. 
walk out of the flesh and walk into the Spirit. If you're wanting to rise up right now, if you're mad, if you're upset, if you think I'm talking to you, I probably am. If you're mad, upset, and wanting to, to storm out right now, that's a good chance that you might need to check yourself against the Word of God and let the Spirit of God reign in your life in a spirit of peace. Because when you step out of the things of the flesh, listen to me, when you step out of that fleshy nature, the things of the Spirit will come and life and peace will come into your life. People operating on a fraction of the information they need destroys lives. And I'm proud to say that God has called this church and this ministry to change the world. To change lives here in the region and across the world. Literally. Listen, I don't take me too seriously at all. But I take the calling of God very seriously. J.R. is not a gift to the church. He's a human being. But the pastor Prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, the Bible says, is a gift to the church. The office of. You're not hearing me. And let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something else. The Bible says to pray for those that have spiritual authority over you. And I'll tell you why. Because they watch over your soul. I'm still talking. I'm still preaching. I want you to hear from this pastor because I've laid some pretty strong salt. Let me tell you something. This pastor has agonized over this church. Not over my feelings. You, you got to get up way earlier in the morning to hurt my feelings than anybody here has. Y'all don't, y'all, I, I've lived through too much. I'm going to tell you, the, the, the life, independent on God, gave me a backbone of steel. I can't say I can't be hit because I can, but, but petty stuff isn't gonna, it doesn't hurt me too bad. But I've, I'll tell you what I've agonized over, lay awake over, is that when, the work, when God is trying to work in a place and people are upset over stupid stuff, for people who want to criticize who have never walked in your shoes. People who want to tell you how to run a church when they've never ran a lemonade stand. And God didn't call them to run a church. If God's called you to ministry, come see me. I will pray for you. I will support you. I will help you get credentialed somewhere. And I will help you find a church to pastor. But this church only has one. That's it. When a church is healthy and set in order, people will come. If people have to go, which we never want, you have never heard me say, if you don't like it, leave. Had somebody accused me of that, I said, play the tape again. I have never once, I said, I will stand by the truth and I don't care who likes it. But I have never one time, not one time, said, if you don't like it here, you don't want it this way, leave. I've never, that's spiritual abuse. It's happened here before for years and it's happened to lots of churches. It's never happened and will never happen for me. But I will tell you that sometimes if, if you're not going to get healthy, then some people have to go. That's never the desire. The desire is for people to repent and cooperate and be part of the body of Christ and be free. 
If not friends, then friendly. If you'll treat people the way you wanted to be treated, you won't ever have a problem with me or anybody else. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, walk out of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Stand with me all over this house. If you're here today, and through the midst of a, of a message for the church, for the body of Christ, today you're here and the Spirit of God's been dealing with you and you know today because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that you were lost. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this place. Every one of them. If you're here today and the power of God has come, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is with you today and you said, and you would just by a quick uplifted hand say, Preacher, I need, I, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Quickly. I'm not going to be labor. Quickly. Yes. Is there, well, is there another? Is there another? Is there another? Quickly. Now, today's the day of salvation. Come on. Now's as good as 20 seconds from now. Is there, is there another? See it. Yes, I see it. Who else? Who else? Who else? All across this place, raise up your head and raise your voice. Raise up your head and raise your voice. If you raise your hand today, listen to me. I tell you every week, it's become a part of who we are. If you pray, if you pray a prayer, the sinner's prayer, there are some people that think the sinner's prayer is, is, not, is not acceptable. According to the Word of God, if you, if you, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. Saying words won't save you, but when faith comes, see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When faith comes and you pray those prayers and you mean it, when faith comes, you're, it says you're saved. So all over this house, pray with me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Today I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Today I repent of my sins. I ask you to wash me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to remove my sin from, you, from me. Today, I believe that I, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart the Lord, that God raised him from the dead. And today I know by faith that I am born again, saved set free by the power of the blood of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Whether it's your hundredth time or your first time, if you prayed that prayer in faith, if the Bible says that you are saved. And let me tell you something else, young and old, it's the entrance, not the exit. And you can and should live for Him. You need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. That means you're going to have to forsake some things. Probably, likely, even some relationships. Now across this place, every head bowed again. Everyone, every single one. Today, Pastor, the Spirit of God's dealt with me. And I'm going to walk in the Spirit with His help. And today I even repent of my ways. And I want to be in unity with the things of God and with the, thing, with the vision and the ministry of Mag Church. Are you here today? Would you show by a quick, nobody's looking around? Would you show by an uplifted hand? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? 
Who else? Mag Church. People of Mag Church. Together. The world talks about unity today, and there's only one thing you can unite around. You can't unite with error. You can't unite with division. It's not possible. And a house divided against itself cannot stand. But you can stand in unity of the Spirit of God and in the truth of His Word. Today, together. Father, we need you. I need you. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my all. I'm saved. I'm living for you. But I, I love you, and I want to I get out of the flesh, and I want to walk according to your Word. I make a fresh commitment to the Word of God, to prayer, to the things of God, to the time that we live in and for the calling and the commission of the church. Lord, you're bigger than me and the ministry's bigger than me. It's bigger than hurt. It's bigger than division. It's bigger, it's bigger than pride. Lord, I surrender today. Lord, come. Church, would you ask him in your own words? Lord, come in this place or stir our hearts to the condition of what's around us Lord make me hungry for the things of God and for the word of God and the spirit of God to be baptized in your Holy Ghost change me change me church I'm praying the pastor prays today change me and conform me into your image and Lord we'll give you praise and glory for it in Jesus name amen Amen. Church, when we get in unity and walk in the Spirit, there is unlimited potential what God is doing in this area. And it's going to do. Look around you. There's empty seats. I used to tell you every week, and I'm telling you again, every empty, it's not about nickels and noses. Every seat represents a soul that could be sitting there living for God in a changed life, that Jesus changed everything. Every seat. It's not the pastor's job to evangelize the community. It's the pastor's job to equip the saints to evangelize their world. And when you do, God will pour out His Spirit. You want to see a demonstration of the power of God? Reach people. Reach people. We talked about wisdom this morning. Who wants it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But let me tell you what else Proverbs 9 says. He who is wise wins souls. He who is wise wins souls. Matt, we're about to walk out, but let me tell you something. If you win their soul, they won't steal your stuff. Amen. You're right. You are right. Anybody ever get tired of the thieving dopehead stealing all your stuff? If you win their soul, they'll get free from the dope. That's why he who is wise wins souls. If they get free from the dope, they won't steal your stuff. They won't murder your kids. He who is wise wins souls.